0: Within two pages, they've gone from being this to this, right? And I'm like, oh, Jesus, oh, I feel so terrible as a Christian. Oh, God, I need to grow. Oh, I feel this weight. But when I look at my own life, if I look back and if I remember, like David tells us, oh, I remember, and I remember where I've come from, I'm like, no, no, if I'm on it, I can see where I was and where I am today. And I, wow, I have grown, right? I have grown. I, it, it's been unperceptible, but I've grown. And our spiritual, our spiritual growth is the same way, right? So in moving forward in the, with, the, with the formation of our being, like growing into who God's called us to be, it's imperative, then, that we are people who depend on Jesus, who look to Jesus, and who focus on Jesus in everything, at all times, in every moment, because that is the means of growth in our lives, and it needs to be an everyday, every moment type thing with Him. But we said last week, unfortunately, that by nature, we live in a world of self-maintenance, of of self-help, of self-preference and, 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 and perseverance and, and preservation. We usually try not to need anyone at the risk of, of looking needy. And so we said last week from Jeremiah 2.13 that we're then building our own cisterns. Remember we said last week, Jesus, God came and says, the two great sins, one of them is that you've forsaken me, then the spring of living water you turned away from me and you've built your own cisterns. Basically, you're trying to provide for yourself. It's an so in this, right, rather than have our, thins, our thirst quenched and our needs met and our growth be dependent upon God, we're doing it ourselves, taking care of ourselves, leaning into self and leaning into self at all times, living for ourselves and, and this, all this self-preservation and self-focus, building our own cisterns, not looking to God, not being dependent upon him. But for us, our growth into our potential, the growth into our real life, into, into our having our being be and to have our being formed and shaped into the image of God, is an everyday growth. Listen, this is not rocket science. You all know this, but let's just be honest. If you're like me, I'm really bad at everyday growth with Jesus. Like I mean, literally, it's like I'm not. I, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be good at all this stuff. I know, right? That's what you expect of me. But I'm not. I mean, I'm pretty lame at some of this stuff, right? I'm pretty lame at Bible study. I'm pretty lame at really interceding in prayer. I'm pretty lame at praying for all of you on an everyday basis. I'm really bad at it, right? It's not a natural thing. Like, you think I'm supposed to be good at things. Listen, I'm not good at anything hardly, right? Like I said last week, I'm good at fishing and ping pong. That's about it. True story. I'm good at those things. Praise God, right? But the idea, of my so I live in this place of recognizing that I haven't arrived. And the fact is, I don't care how holy you think that you are. The more holy you think you are, the less you've probably arrived. Let's be honest. Because none of us have arrived. None of us are spiritually deep enough to stop growing and to stop being dependent upon Jesus. In fact, this kind of kind of here's a test to give yourself. The closer you are to Jesus, listen, this is important, y'all. The closer you are to Jesus, the more aware you will be of your shortcomings, your weaknesses, and your immaturity. The closer you are to him, the closer you live to him, the more aware you'll be of your shortcomings, your weaknesses, your immaturity, and your brokenness. Because Scripture is very clear. Every person who gets near to Jesus says, Woe to me, I am a man of unclean lips. I am unclean. Move away from me like Peter said. I'm a man I'm unclean. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. But if you don't live like that, aware of your brokenness, aware of your need, aware of your shortcomings, like every day, like really living the presence of them, then you're not as close to Jesus as you think that you are. Because if you're close to Him, you will live dependent. If you are close to Him, you will live aware of your brokenness. If you live close to Him, need and dependence and desperation for Him will define your existence. Because it is the biblical truth of every person who gets near to Him. They say, you are holy and we are not. We have like, well, I think that I'm clean, but I'm more like, oh, I'm so ivory colored and you're so pure and holy white that I can't stare upon it. I mean, listen, this is just the biblical truth of anyone who gets near Jesus. So let's all jump into the same boat this morning. We are all broken, desperate, in need of him, and if I'm not aware of those things, then I should be scared, if even more desperate, of getting into his presence to allow that desperation and that awakening to be birthed inside of me. He's tracking with me. I know it's uncomfortable, and I'm not trying to, like, condemn you this morning. I'm just letting you, I'm giving you a gift. You're not as close and as holy and as pure as you think that you are. And that, my friends, is a gift. Because when you get to that place, you go, oh, and you turn back to Jesus. So I'm helping you return to him by awakening all of us to the truth of who we really are. We're all broken and in need of him. And so what I'm getting at, and hear this, and hear my heart in this, we must live with comparison Ever before us. We must live with the comparison, this comparison in mind. What's the comparison? Hear this. Who I am, who he is, but here's the caveat here's what I'm adding. Who he is, who I am, who he is, but who I can become through him and in him through his power. That's the comparison, right? Uh, who I am and my brokenness, my need, my desperation, who he is. And I'm like, oh, I'm broken. But then I live in the awareness of who I can become in him through his power. Like, that's the comparison. Like, every day I want to live, I want to wake up aware of my dependence, aware of my brokenness, aware of my need, aware of who I am in this comparison. Oh, God. I want to live in awareness of who he is and his holiness and his complete otherness and the complete separation of who he is ultimately and his purity and his divinity. And then the gift that he gives us is to say, but oh God, this is who I get to become because your potential for me defines my real life. So I don't live beaten, condemned and, and ter- thinking terrible about myself. No, I'm just really, I'm just thankful. I'm like everybody else. I'm terrible. Let's all, we own it. But I praise you, God. That's not my potential. That's not my real life. I live in comparison, right? So we live in comparison with my, in mind every day like Peter, right? Peter, he's average and ordinary. He's broken in need in Luke 4 and 5. He's in this, plate of des- this place of desperation. Oh, God, Jesus, m- get away from me. I am unclean before you, right? But Jesus says, no, no, no. Follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. And some other stuff you'll find out later about yourself. It's going to be pretty awesome. There's some shadow stuff involved. I'm just letting you know, but I'm going to wait until you figure it out yourself, right? Because you seize the potential. So in this, if we think that we are better than anyone, if we think that we're better than anyone, then I fear we are not close enough to Jesus to have a true view of who we are. Because the reality is this. It is true to say, I am more mature in some areas than you. That's just a true statement, right? But I am not better than. You are more mature in certain areas than I am. It doesn't make you better than me. And so for those of you who have been Christians a long time, and, you, and, and, you see, and those of you who have been Christians a short period of time, what that does is it puts you in a place of equality so unity can be birthed because you're really both broken people, both in need of desperate growth. And no one's arrived, so it puts you in the same place. Yes, some of you may be more mature, and we celebrate that, because don't we want some people more mature in us than us in life? I know I do. But they're not better than, because we're all defined in comparison by our brokenness in need of a Savior who is always moving in us and moving us to our potential. And so we want to... So, what, so in this place, we have this... this Beautiful reality then to see who we are in this comparison, to recognize our brokenness, to recognize who he is, that he is growing us into our potential. And this morning I want us to then paint a picture of, of, of what's true, listen, of what's true about you that you're simply maturing and growing into. And when I share it this morning, as I I feel like God shared it this week, I'm going to be honest with you, it messed me up. Because I'm about to speak a truth about how Jesus sees you that you probably don't see yourself in. And it is that part of in between. Who I am, who he is, but who I can be. We're looking at the who I can be in him through his power, not your own. So you ready to dive in? Rob, you ready? Let's go, man. Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17-18, it says this. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, I want you to listen. You've heard this verse before. I want you to pretend like you've never read it before. Let's stop making Christianity this like, this thing that kind of colors what we do, let's make it the clear definition of our entire beings. So when I read Scripture, it's the words of the living God that come alive inside of us. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, and we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate, gaze upon, view the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Did you just like had this something rise up like, oh, like that rise up inside of you? Did you just go, oh my gosh, that can't, that's not true. It's not part of you should have said that. Because in this moment, right, Paul, right, he's creating this comparison here, if you read the whole chapter, he's, comp- he's, he's, doing, he's creating this comparison between the old way of life and the new way of life for the church here in Corinth, the old way of life. What was it dependent upon? It was dependent on people building their own cisterns, right? People, and this kind of dependent on the individual to fulfill the law of God and his or her own strength, which no one could do. He's saying, listen, God gave you this law right here, right? In Deuteronomy, all in one, he gave you the, the Ten Commandments and all the law, all this stuff he's telling you to do, right? And in, in, in the old way of life was that now you need to go do this, And, and no one could in their own strength because they, so they continue to get frustrated. They continue to be guilty. Continue to be dirty before God, right? And so he's saying, this is, he's doing a comparison. Your old way of life, there was no freedom. There was no freedom. You were, you were held in bondage by the law. You couldn't do it. You couldn't make it happen. You were not capable in your own strength. But he comes and he says, but now, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, my friends. There is freedom. This new way, a life of freedom, which the Spirit of God, right? Spirit of God is, is in us. He's strengthening us. He's empowering us. He's moving in us to move, to have this. And so it's not that we're in our own strength anymore. The Spirit of the Living God is living inside of us to empower us to live the life that He's called us to live. And so with the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. But then He gives another, it goes to a deeper level. So here's what the freedom allows. In fact, here's what the freedom quote unquote demands. But in a holy gift type way, it, it, it demands, right, that we that we go on in verse 18, who with who unveil our faces and contemplate, gaze upon and view the glory of God. Listen, in the Old Testament, Moses goes up on the mountain, he gets the law and his face begins He doesn't know, it, but his face begins to shine And he comes back down and everybody freaks out because they're afraid to see God. And so he takes his veil, he puts it over his head, ultimately to hide God from them because they couldn't handle it. And so Paul is coming along saying, now when the Spirit of God comes, he comes with freedom, now take the veil off of your face and gaze upon Jesus every moment of every day in this journey that you're on to become who God's created you to be. And it says right here, what happens when we do that? Well, it's really clear. Contemplate with the Lord's glory, when we're being transformed into the image that we are seeing with ever-increasing glory. Which means that every day... We are growing every day when we gaze upon him, we are becoming that which we are gazing upon and looking at. So I'm saying, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What? In the Listen, everybody hear this. Look at me. In the process of our journey, we're doing life. We have our comparison in mind. It's a daily journey. We're living our life. I'm moving through, taking step after step after step. And in that stepping, I have the freedom now to take the veil off that separates me from God. I'm called to gaze upon His beauty every moment of every day. I gaze upon His glory. I see Him. And when I gaze upon his beauty, what happens? I am transformed step after step into the very thing that I'm looking at. This is who I am. This is who he is. This is who I'm becoming. So glory, what is glory? Well, glory is this. It's the expression of all that God is in his being, his nature, his nature. His character, his power, and his acts. You're moving into an ever-increasing glory. What am I growing into? I'm growing into the expression of all that God is and his being. I'm growing into his nature. I'm growing into his character. I'm growing into his power. And I'm growing into his acts. Let's just be honest. Certain denominational churches and certain theological stances tell you that glories only represent his character and nature because you can't do his power and acts anymore. Well, that's just wrong. It's just wrong. Do you think that God says, hey, the power, we don't need power anymore. I mean, Super Bowl, Let's afraid. Do we think we need the power of God and the acts of his Holy Spirit to bring freedom to women who are going to be raped 40 to 60 times tonight? True story. Do you think we need the power and the acts of God in those moments? Or do you think we don't need it anymore? I know I need it. I know I'm in desperate need of it and so I look at it and think I'm in need of his glory being manifest and his attributes being manifest in my life, right? So the truth of Paul's words, they rest in his conviction that we who look to and at Jesus with our faces uncovered will be transformed into his glory, meaning we will express in our lives God's nature, his goodness and his kindness, his character, right? He's just, his power and his acts and our being will be transformed, what? With these in end- Indefinable qualities, which will be so intoxicating to the people around us, they will want more of what we have in Christ. And it begins with a comparison. We see this, listen, we see a promise of Jesus for this glory being what belongs to you, which is being transformed into. John chapter 17. Jesus prays for his disciples that were still on the earth, and he prays for every person who would believe because of their word. Do you know who that you know who that involves? You know that what he's talking about? You, and he's talking about me. So, John chapter 17, verse 20 to 26, he's praying for us, and he prays for our unity. He prays that we would be one, just as he and the Father are one. Listen, as we come into this next three months, I want you to recognize, everyone listen to this. The enemy is going to move through you, every single one of us, to try to create discord and disunity with someone else or something or the vintage body as a whole. I'm just letting you know. The enemy is going to move in every single one of you to try to create and try to disrupt and to bring discord and disunity and make you frustrated as somebody who maybe did something wrong, but you need to forgive or something to say that's a little bit, a little bit edgy. And you need to just say or something I don't do in response to an email because that just happens in life. Right. I'm forgetful. All the things happen. And I'm letting you know something The is going to put a root of discord in us. Why? Because they've heard it from the Lord clearly. Pray for unity in this season. Why? Because the enemy is trying to produce discord and disunity. So I'm letting you know when that seed begins to be planted, rebuke it in Jesus name and you cry out for John 17, the Lord's will. And he goes on in verse 22 It says, here's what I'm going to do to help you. Verse 22, I've given them, who's them? It's us. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and then you in me. I in them, and you in me. Jesus is making this very clear statement, a commitment to his people. I am giving you my glory. I'm giving you the expression of my being with my nature, my character, my power and my acts and the manifestation of all of these attributes. I'm giving them to you just as God was in me giving me his glory. So I am in you giving you my glory. And so here you are in comparison. Here I am in comparison. And here's who I'm creating you to be by giving you glory, not just in a bit, ever increasing glory representing that I grow into it every day. So I don't become a Christian. And then I have the full glory of God. I grow into it because how many of you know, as you mature, you give your kids things you couldn't give them when they were too immature. The Holy Spirit's the same way in our lives. As he grows us in our maturity, he then begins to hand things off to us because we can handle it in that season. Someone said to me, I've shared it before, said to me one time, Steve, God's not going to let you know the difference you make in people's lives because you're not humble enough to receive it. And I said, you're probably right. But as I grow in my maturity and as I grow in humility, and as I grow in this place of recognizing my brokenness and comparison and live in a place of my gaze being upon him and always recognize how broken and how neat and how desperate I am, then he begins to share things he never could share with me before. Because I've increased from glory unto glory and all that means is I've grown in maturity of his attributes more and more and more. When you think glory... I don't want you to think some sort of like firework show of God. I want you to think about attributes of God and his maturity of who he is in his holiness. And so we have this going on. This truth is expressed. And then we see this reality. I love this story from Acts chapter 4. I know I'm covering a lot. I'm going to sum up. I'm giving you, listen, you don't know it. It's this little trick. I'm giving you seven growth growth areas for you. This morning I'm giving you seven things. Let's have a little game. Can you find them in the middle of my talk, right? I'm gonna give you seven things. If you do them, you're gonna grow, right? Seven growth attributes. So write some of these things down a little bit, but here's what I want to say. The story for me that I love, there's lots of others, that paints the picture of someone having grown into the glory of God without probably knowing it, but being validated by those around him is in Acts chapter four, the story of Peter and John. You, remember, you know this story. It's the first healing that Peter and John do together. Remember, how many of you know there used to be massive competition, right? Like, you know, last week that, that during the NFC Championship or whatever, the NFC Championship or whatever, whatever, whatever team it was, it was like you had, what's his name, Pete Carroll, who did not like, what's his name for San Francisco? Jim Harbaugh. Remember how? Like, if you watched, if you watch anything, they're like this the entire time. They competed back in college. They all this kind of stuff, right? They didn't like one another, right? That's Peter and John. They didn't like one another. Peter's like, I don't like that guy. I don't like that guy either. Right? This 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 competition, right? They took the, the strength finders test. They had competition at their height, right? That's just kind of where they are highly competitive. But here they are. They're walking towards the gate, beautiful. They see the guy that ever, listen. They see a guy that everyone knows who's been begging since he was born. Oh, help me, I'm poor, I I don't have anything, I'm crippled, I can't see, I can't move, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. All the religious leaders pass him every day. Jesus used to pass him and never healed him. Does that mess you up at all? Jesus passed him every day for his 33 years of life. Never healed him. Peter and John come along. Ooh, it's time. Hey, I don't have any silver or gold or money. No denarii, right, whatever it is. right? I, don't, I got nothing. What I do have, get up, my brother, and walk in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden something happened. I'm sure he felt electricity. That's what you hear the testimonies of. Electricity goes through his body. He feels tingling and feeling in his legs for the first time. He stands up, begins to praise God, and every single person, probably thousands, go, that's the guy. That's the beggar. And all of a sudden, they seize the moment. Yes, this is the guy. And we didn't heal him. And they proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, seizing the moment, right? And all of a sudden, a massive crowd surrounds. And all of a sudden, the religious leaders begin to feel very threatened. And the elders of the Jews begin to feel very threatened. It says, go get them. Bring them into us. we got to figure out what's going on here, right? And so they took them. They brought them in the center of the room. It says in verse 7 of Acts 4. When they had placed Peter and John, they in the corner, they began to inquire, the elders did. Hey, by what power and what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers, there's no meekness, right? There's no like, oh, right? No, it's like very matter of fact, outspoken rulers and elders of the people. If we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known. To all of you and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. now let 's get into the good part. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, I love this, and understood they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus, gazing upon him with unveiled faces. I added that myself. Verse 14, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they shut their mouths and had nothing to say in reply. I kind of added that too. I'm like a little more dramatic, right? It says, "And they had nothing to say in reply." Hallelujah! We should all start worshiping right now. What happens, right? Religious leaders are upset, but they have something happens. They have no reply. Why? Because of two things. Because when Peter and John, who with unveiled faces, began to, to to gaze upon the majesty and the beauty of God, they were transformed into His glory. They were transformed into His image, His attributes, His character, His nature, His power, and His acts began to be released into them. And so when these men looked at them, they saw two things. They saw that men who were uneducated and untrained had an unbelievable grasp of scripture and the Old Testament and an undeniable theology about who God was because their theology was impeccable. When we get near to Jesus, we grow in our understanding and our theology of who God is. But if you don't have the acts and the power to go with it, it's just words. So they saw the theology and they looked over here and said, oh, and we have to keep our mouth shut because we know this man since we were born, since he was born. And he's always been he's always been lame. He's always been crippled. And he's standing there right behind Peter and John going, they're the guys. It was them was them, right? It's like, we can't deny that because we see him. And so we see with unveiled faces, Peter and John seeing Jesus being transformed, right? It's a natural part of their growth. And all of a sudden in the moment, these guys are validating that they've gone from here to here. Do you see that? Oh, how you've grown. That's how we say it in natural growth. How big you've gotten. We recognize that they are untrained and uneducated and recognize that they've been with Jesus, who with unveiled faces, we with unveiled faces gaze upon the image of God. And we move, our image grows from glory unto glory with ever increasing glory. So, Peter and John are an example of what this looks like. It's the truth of the real life of what we're growing into. See, our lives are to express the glory of God in which people see the supernatural life of Jesus in us, which gives everyone a proper opinion of the unseen supernatural Father of Heaven. Are we expressing the attributes or have we kind of gotten stagnant saying, no, we've arrived we're mature. There's no brokenness. There's no need. There's no desperation inside of us. We're pretty comfortable where we are. Or do we live every day of every life with a commitment to allow Him to search us, to put His finger on us, and then to submit to His leadership as we are? And we're doing that. How do we do that? By God. Taking the veil off, gazing upon him, the streams of living water, not a cistern that we're trying to create on our own strength, but we're allowing him to put his finger to submit and then to grow in increasing glory from glory unto glory as his attributes become alive inside of us. Seven growth attributes or seven growth takeaways I want you to have from this this morning. You can go back, listen to the message and find these. It's like it's like where's Waldo? Go find him a message this week. Right. Number one. Let him. Here's the whole list, right? Let him search you, right? You, if you, you have to commit. I'm not going to get through all these. You have to let him. You have to commit to let him search you, and then you have to submit to those growth areas. Like you have to let him search you, which means God, search me and know all of my ways. Put your fingers on my growth areas, and I submit to the thing you put your finger on. Number three, live with the comparison. Here's who I am. I live in my broken state, right? I. See you, here's what I know you're doing inside of me, but I've got to live with the comparison in mind every day. Number four, embrace your immaturity. What I mean by that is none of us are mature, right? I mean, embrace the immaturity that defines your life today and see it as a growth area. That's what I mean. Embrace your immaturity. Yes, Yes, I'm just. Yes, I'm not better. I have mature areas, but I have immaturity over here, and I need to grow in that area. Embrace it. Don't, give, don't you beat, beat yourself up. Don't condemn yourself. But recognize. I would say this, God. I know I have so many immature areas. I don't know what they are, but put your finger on them so that I can see them and I can grow in that area. I can grow in your glory from glory into glory. Number five, live unveiled. Don't compartmentalize. Don't have your Jesus time, your Jesus moment. Have your Jesus life. Live unveiled at every moment of every day. When, for me, when I'm on the softball field, when I'm fishing on the lake, while I'm walking through Publix, while I'm driving my car... I mean, last night I had a dude, lay, I just like kind of got in front of him. He laid on his horn, literally for the awkward 30 seconds, because he was so mad at me. And in the moment, I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, beat him up with my big old fist, right? Stop and make him ram into the back of me. Oh, Jesus. You know, this tug of war inside of me, you know what I'm getting at, right? But I'm living, unveiled, Jesus, I'm looking at you. I did my. I think I did okay. I, not great, but I did okay last night, Trying to, oh, you know, just trying to be Jesus, trying to protect my kids, blah, 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 right? Number six. Look at him nonstop. That's kind of the thing. Live unveiled and look at him nonstop. And number seven, allow God to validate you. What I mean by that is you're not sitting there going, oh, validate and validate me. You're saying, God, I'm going to grow. I'm going to look at you. And when it's time, you will validate me. Oh, look how you've grown, whether it's from someone or from him. Don't go seeking out validation. That's kind of annoying, honestly. Don't do that. Do you feel like that? Hey, do you like me? Do you think I'm pretty? Oh my gosh, stop. I'll tell you when you are. I know that you are right. Whatever. Let him validate you. Let him come and do that. You just focus on growth. You just focus on maturing. You just focus on his face. And move from glory unto glory unto glory. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we come today and we recognize that none of us have attained our real life in Christ. We recognize that each of us are broken, we're in need, we are desperate. God, I pray for those today who don't feel the urgency. God, I pray that you would awaken them today to exactly how you see them, in their brokenness, in their need, their desperation. God, I pray that you would awaken that inside of them. I pray that you would say to them, wake, O sleeper, rise from the dead so that I can shine on you. We just pray this awakening today, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are not condemning us for not having attained our real life yet in Christ. We praise you. It's a natural, it's a progressive thing, day by day by day, so we don't get too high with our highs because tomorrow could be difficult. We don't get too low with our lows because tomorrow could be great. We just praise you, Jesus, that we are in a process every day of growth, of maturing, moving into you. And I pray today, Jesus, that you would help us to unveil our faces And go, this is what it means to see the beauty of Jesus. We pray this in your name, God, and ask that you do it. Amen.